This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the Academy Show here on the Blood Red channel with myself, Guy Clark and Matt Addison. FA Youth Cup progress to discuss. Billy Kometio and Matthias Misilovsky, two of those to come to the fore as the Reds head into the last four. Plus, we'll hear how Liam Miller's Charlton loan spell is going and as ever, bring you our one to watch before we go. Let's start though, Matt, at Anfield. You were there on Friday night, of course, as Liverpool saw off Arsenal to make it through to the semi-finals and continue en route to making it two FA Youth Cup wins in the space of three seasons. Well, Liverpool have made it through to the FA Youth Cup semi-final tonight and they'll travel to face Ipswich Town next after they beat Arsenal by three goals to one here at Anfield. Arsenal had started the better of the two sides. It was them who went in front. James Bonagizi for the Reds, calmly heading the ball into the path of Max Boltman, who passed the ball into the back of the net from just about 10 yards out. Just a few minutes later, Tyler Morton did really well to nip in front of Miguel Aziz, the Arsenal midfielder, inside the penalty area. He was trying to clear the ball, but in the end, he ended up clearing Tyler Morton's leg. It was a spot kick for Liverpool. A really clear one and James Norris perfectly placed into the corner to make it 2-0. As I say, Arsenal had started the better of the sides. Liverpool were slightly fortunate to get themselves in front, but as soon as they did, they defended absolutely resolutely. They did really well tonight, Mark Bridge-Wilkinson's side. At half-time, a couple of goals up and that was extended. In the second half as well, Matthias Musialowski on the counter-attack with a typical jinking run from him. Left, then right, then left, then right again and then a perfectly placed finish into the corner to put Liverpool in front. Arsenal did end up getting a goal back, a goal that no doubt they did deserve here at Anfield. The referee gave them a spot kick this time, as he's converting after Billy Cometio had dived in to try and stop a shot. Kion Edwards it was who tried to, to take uh, an effort. His shot in the end was saved by Liverpool goalkeeper Harvey Davis, but it didn't matter, he'd been brought down and the penalty was nothing more than Arsenal deserved. But from that moment on, Liverpool defended really well. Arsenal kept hold of the ball. They had lots and lots of possession, but most of it was in front of that Liverpool defence tonight. I thought Billy Cometio was excellent. I thought Liverpool defended really, really well as a team. And that was right from the back all the way through to the front as well. Max Boltman up top never stopped working, obviously got the pivotal goal. He was really, really impressive tonight. Not just goals for him, but that's up to 13 now for the season. 10 in his last eight for Liverpool. Certainly one of those to watch out for out of this group. But whoever got onto the score sheet for tonight, it did not matter for Liverpool. The only thing that mattered was that they could get themselves through into that semi-final. And that is exactly what they did. Full time here at Anfield, it's finished. Liverpool under 18s 3, Arsenal under 18s 1. Liverpool through to the semi-final where they will face Ipswich. Often when we hear Paul Gorse giving his verdicts, we can hear the, the lawnmowers in the background. That sounded like there was a, a concert or some even stadium refurbishments going on there, but a, a good win for the Young Reds. Yeah, it certainly was. Certainly one that the voice of Anfield enjoyed, obviously, with all that music <laughs> at the end. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was a really good game, actually. it was it's, it's two good sides, I would say, probably along with Aston Villa, the best two sides left in the competition at that moment in time. And obviously for all of, of these young players, it's a huge opportunity. I think for the vast majority of them, that'll be the first time that they've played at Anfield. And I don't think we should underplay, you know, how important it, it would be to those players. It's something that they will have worked towards and, and thought about. Someone like Matthias Musilovsky has not obviously been at Liverpool for for all that long, but to go and, and step up and, and perform on that stage, I think it was it was really impressive. I think they were a little bit nervous to start with, but once they got in front, they sort of settled into it. And I think both of, of the teams were were impressive, but Liverpool, I think, just showed 
a little bit more nous to, to get the job done. And, and sometimes in a knockout competition, that is exactly what you've got to do. It is no mean feat, is it? I mean, you, you mentioned there Aston Villa and we all had a bit of a joke back in January about the first team effectively playing their under-18 side, but a, a real now chance to, to go on and win this trophy again. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, obviously for, for Liverpool, they've got Ipswich next. They have to, to travel and, and play them away from home in a couple of weeks' time. So obviously we hope that, that they get through in, in that and, and then they will face one of, of Aston Villa or West Brom in the other semi-final in that final, which I believe will be away from home as well in the final for them if they get through. So still a couple of tricky games, but you know Liverpool, I think, should be the favourites from this point on. And if it is Aston Villa that they face, of course, as you say, they'll have a slight advantage in that Liverpool have already seen what Aston Villa's under-18s are all about. And certainly there's a couple of, of really good players in there. Louis Barry was particularly impressive, obviously got the goal against Liverpool's senior team. But yeah, a few other good players in there to watch out for. And it should be a, a really exciting finish to the competition. Well, we've heard what you made of the, the action on Friday and also just there, of course. But let's hear from the uh, head coach for the under-18s, Mark Bridge-Wilkinson himself. Here's what he told you after the game. Yeah, it's definitely two parts of the game. I think the way the way that we played in the attacking sort of third in the first half was good. We were very clinical in what we did. And again, at the start of the second half. But as you're saying, as the game started to change a little bit and they got momentum, I think that... Um, Jarrell and Billy out, in particular were outstanding in the second half defensively um, and you know we have to do it a different way there's, there's different ways to win football games and play the game of football and I think we've shown both sides of it today Do you think there was a, a touch of nerves at the beginning perhaps? Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is understandable we expected it we talked through what it would what it would look like and feel like and obviously at some point in the game they start to feel comfortable and remember it's just a green pitch with two white goals in football. Because once you've got the ball down and started to play certain second half of that first half, that's when yeah, things started to happen. That's right, yeah. And uh, it's just about having a belief and, and being brave enough to, regardless of the surroundings and the occasion and, and the fixture and, and, and who you're playing against, it's just to be brave enough to play the way that we play. And um, I think we did it in spells. I wouldn't say it was a, a complete performance, but um, yeah, we, we did well. First and foremost, it, it, I'm led to believe that he was here and the rest of the first team staff were here as well, which is, it, it just shows an awful lot about them as people, that they're willing to take time to come and, come and look at us and, and watch the boys and take time in that respect. So that's, that's obviously a big plus and, and we're very thankful for that. But it also shows the way that the club's aligned, that they're taking the time out of, of their busy schedule with everything that's going on to, to show a little bit of interest in, in the younger players. So. The boys will be, when they find out, I'm sure they'll be really, really pleased. Um, again, I, I haven't spoken to him or don't really know his thoughts on the game, so I, I couldn't comment on that. That's for him. But um, yeah, we're just, we're pleased with the way it went. We're not pleased with perhaps um, certain particular parts of the game, but the result and, and the way that we carried ourselves was really pleasing. Can I ask you about Max as well? Just yeah. Quickly. Obviously, he's got his goal, but I thought his performance tonight showed the, the other yeah. aspects of the yeah. game as well. Yeah, Max has done, done really, really well. He's, um, he's adapted. Um, <clears throat> the way that we started to play at the beginning of the season was a little bit different. Um, Max was, was in a different role back then and he adapted to that and, and did it really well. And obviously since we've, we, we've lost players through injury and people moving up, he's, he's adapted to a different role again. So his season has, has been really impressive. And I think tonight was really nice for him to, to get a goal on such an occasion. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it was good. Is that something that you've seen progress throughout the season? Yeah, definitely. Something that we've talked to him, we've worked on with him. Um, showed him clips and, and different types of things. And yeah, but ultimately it's down to Max. We can show and say and put sessions on and all this stuff. But ultimately Max is the one that's taking all the information on and he's going out and performing like he is. So he deserves a lot of credit. Mark Bridge-Wilkinson there, Matt. He's speaking, obviously, about the, the game and Jurgen Klopp being there, which I suppose was also a big occasion, as well as one of the real standout players who you've already highlighted in, Max Voltman. Just how good was, was he on the night? I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I think there was a, a few really good performances from Liverpool players, but I think him in particular is one that has probably gone under the radar a lot over the last few weeks. You hear little bits about Musialovsky, about Balagizi, but... I thought he was just as good as, as each of them, probably even better than both of them, to be honest, on Friday night. I thought, you know, he's sort of one of those players that that seems to, to offer a lot more than just goals. It's always been the case with him that, you know, he'd link up well, he'd press, he'd be very much, you know, the leader in, in terms of, of sort of fulfilling that kind of Roberto Firmino role, if you like, in that Liverpool team, playing as a, a kind of false nine sort of position, leading the way, pressing and, and harrying and winning the ball back and, more often than not laying on assists for, for other players. But, you know, he's now got 12 goals this season. He's really come into his own over the last few games. I think it's 10 goals in his last eight games now for Liverpool. So he's in, you know, an absolutely brilliant vein of form. And to add those numbers to the fact that he's already, you know, a really well-rounded player, I think is a brilliant thing going forward. So, yeah, 12 goals, six assists now in 27 appearances so far this season. Obviously, could still add to that further between now and, and the end of the campaign. But, I think that's been a real step up. And as you heard from Mark Bridge-Wilkinson just then, I mean, it's something that they've worked on him really, really hard with. And, you know, as Mark said, you know, it's it's purely up to Max now what he goes on and, and does from this point. He's clearly got talent. He's got the ability. He's proven that so far this season. It's just a case now of can he take that to the next level? Can he add a few more goals? Can he sort of refine his game a little bit more? But I think all the fundamentals are, are absolutely there. How significant was it then that, that Jurgen Klopp's there? It doesn't seem to to me that it's just a token thing. I mean, in, even sort of in the last week, we've had the 25th anniversary of the, the side that Jamie Carragher was part of winning the FA Youth Cup. Of course, I did it a couple of seasons ago and a player like Paul Glatzel's been in and around the first team training. Of course, he's had injury setbacks. So we don't really know what could have come for him. But Jurgen Klopp, even when Liverpool have been getting to their most successful with the likes of Trent in the side, Nico Williams, of course, Reese Williams and Nat Phillips this season as well, have also been thrown in and given chances. So I suppose if, if Liverpool can go on and make it two FA Youth Cup successes in three seasons, He'll certainly be looking at this crop, won't he? And, and wondering who can get escalated maybe to the first team and maybe follow sort of Trent's footsteps and bypass that 23s and get into that first team squad. Yeah, it was certainly far from a token gesture. I believe it wasn't just Klopp. It was one or two members of his coaching staff. So I assume Vitor Matos, for example, would have been there. Pep Linders as well, probably one or two others. I think it's a really important thing. I mean, we've seen one or two of these players over the last month or so training with the first team, Mosilovsky, Balagizi, kind of Bradley, players like that have all been up and in and around the first team whenever they've needed extra numbers during the last international break. Of course, we saw the, the 11 v 11 game that a lot of these players were involved in. So it's, it's not going to be a new thing for him. It's not going to be the first time that he's seen these players play far from it. But 
I do think, you know, when you've got somebody like Klopp coming down and, and watching over these players, I think that must give them a huge confidence boost and it, it must just give them an extra sort of edge in the game as well. Obviously, it means a huge amount for it being at Anfield, for it being a semi-final of an FA Youth Cup. But the fact that the first team manager is bothering to go down there and, and sort of oversee the game as well, I think that's hugely important. And I think it's it's good as well. He's not sort of getting overly involved. He just turned up. Mark Bridge-Wilkinson didn't know that the Klopp was going to be there. He didn't sort of have any words for, for him. Klopp just lets the academy teams do what they do, lets them get on with their job and, you know, sits back and, and enjoys it like the rest of us. So, yeah, I think that was a, a good sign. And I'm sure one or two of these players will, will step up next season to the under-23s potentially and, and probably to the first team at some point as well. So, yeah, plenty of, of players to keep an eye on. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And you're saying there are plenty of players to keep an eye on and Jurgen Klopp will be familiar with a few of them. Of course, as you mentioned in your roundup, Billy Cometio starring for the under-18s, albeit he did concede a penalty, but I know you were impressed with him. And what about Mateusz Musilowski? Because we've spoken about him, I think, every episode since he arrived and we're going to talk about him again. Yeah, I mentioned it in the, the match report, Matthias Musilowski, you know, the, the run, the goal that he scored is just typical of him, really. It's what we've seen a few times. I think he scored a, a similar one against Everton a couple of months or, or so ago. And he's just one of those where he just dribbles. And he, he's not one of those that just dribbles and sort of goes in a, any direction that he fancies. He's got a, a very distinct path in his mind. He knows exactly how to get to the goal. And he timed the shot. He knew exactly when he had to, to, to sort of let fly and, and put it into the back of the net. So, yeah, again, a hugely influential performance from him, I think. You know, particularly with Arsenal having a lot of the ball and a lot of the possession, to be able to to have somebody like him who can just relieve that pressure, drive you up the pitch, take you up the pitch. We've seen Sadio Mane, for example, do it so many times at first team level for Liverpool. I'm not suggesting that those two players are in any way comparable at this moment in time, but certainly in the way that he can just keep hold of that ball, relieve the pressure. He was absolutely brilliant. And suppose, yeah, Billy Cometio as well. I think, you know, we're, we're going to come on to, to his centre-half partner, Gerald Quansar, later in the show. But I thought that the pair of them really did well. As I say, Arsenal had most of the ball, but I thought Liverpool defended really well as a unit. They managed to, to keep Arsenal in front of them. It wasn't a case of, of Arsenal getting in behind and, and creating chances. They had a lot of the ball. They passed it about really, really well, Arsenal, but it, it tended to be in front of them. And I think that was largely down to, to Cometio, I think. Obviously, he's dropped down from the under-23s, similar to, to Tyler Morton in midfield. But I think, you know, we really sort of saw what Billy Cometio can do when he's concentrating, when he's doing everything right, when he has a, a bit of a leadership role as well. He's sort of one of the most experienced players, certainly playing with the, the first team and that sort of thing out of this group. And I thought that really shone through. So, yeah, brilliant from him to be able to, to sort of lead the rest of these youthful players through a, a big occasion like that. I think it, it speaks volumes, really, for, for what Cometio can do when he's absolutely at his peak. Yeah, big result then for the under-18s and through to the last four, as you say, will play Ipswich Town away from home in that for a place in the FA Youth Cup final. Of course, Liverpool winning that just a couple of seasons ago. But as that suggests, we're getting towards the business end of the season then, Matt. So let's check in on the, the 23s and the 18s and how they're both getting on. Yeah, we'll start with the, the under-23s. Obviously, the season is kind of, of petering out a little bit for them. They're not in title contention or, or anything like that. But obviously, we've explained plenty of times that the reasons behind that, we know that that's because, you know, the, the first team will take priority. They'll take players like Jake Kane and, and Leighton Clarkson and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's been a, a sort of 
a frustrating season in terms of, of results, but certainly not in terms of, of progress. I think, you know, we, we've seen, you know, fairly mixed results. I mean, Liverpool have, have beaten Brighton. They've lost late on against Manchester City since our last show, for example. They've drawn them with Blackburn, Woodburn getting on the, the score sheet, possibly for the last time, who knows, for, for Liverpool, depending on what happens with him in the summer. So there's been a, a few mixed sort of results, but there's been some some sort of outstanding performance as well over the last few weeks since we've last spoken. Joe Hardy's come into the team on a regular basis. I think he'd been injured a little bit before that. He'd scored, I think, five goals in, in three games. He's not scored for a couple since, but he's got assists in, in both of those matches. So he's stepped up and, and started producing the numbers. And alongside him as well, Paul Glatzel, again, somebody that we've spoken about plenty of times over the last sort of two or three years doing this show. I mean, it's it's been a frustrating season once again for him, but he did come on for the second half against Tottenham. Liverpool got beat 4-1 by Tottenham, but Paul Glatzel got the, the one in that second half at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, actually. So not a, a bad venue to, to score that one. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a frustrating season for him. I think that goal will do him a world of good. Hopefully he can stay injury-free next season, possibly even go out on loan, I wonder. You know, in the summer, maybe there's a, a sort of place for, for him to go. Maybe they'll keep him around just because of, of his injuries and, and maybe he'll go in the second half of, of next season. But I think, yeah, certainly it's been a frustrating season for him frustrating season in terms of, of inconsistency but yeah as I say a few sort of standout performers to, to talk about with the 23s yeah definitely and I suppose for the 18s as well they were involved in what looked like somewhat of a, a titanic tussle for their league title but we knew at the time when we were talking about it that the both the Manchester clubs had a few games in hand and it does seem as though that is going to end up being a bridge too far for the under 18s yeah, a bridge too far for Mark Bridge Wilkinson. Definitely, I think in in that one, it's. Uh, I tee them up, you smash them away, Matt. <laughs> exactly, just like Paul Glatzel. It's uh, it's one of those. It's yeah, we knew it was going to be the case. We knew it was a difficult task for them, but of course, Mark Bridge Wilkinson would always say it was never the most important thing. And I know certainly Alex Inglethorpe earlier this week has reiterated that point as well. He doesn't even bother looking, he claims, at the, the league tables at, at that age group because it just doesn't matter. It's purely about the development. But yeah, I'm sure that the players themselves will be slightly disappointed not to have got over the line in that title race. But as you say, they were sort of two or three games ahead of, of both Manchester City and Manchester United, who've since sort of caught up with those matches whilst Liverpool have been playing in other competitions. The FA Youth Cup, for example, City and United have both played a couple of extra games to Liverpool in the league. They've won those matches and moved ahead, as we thought probably would be the case. So, yeah, it's been a busy month anyway for the under-18s. They've played seven times in the, the sort of five weeks since we last recorded this show, all of those games in April. So, yeah, it's it's been a busy one. In the FA Youth Cup, they obviously knocked out Manchester United. That seems like a, a long time ago now, the, the Tyler Morton goal in that one. They then went to Leicester and won 5-1. James Banaghese getting a, a hat-trick in that one. And then, of course, Friday night they played the next round of that and won again so they'll have more matches to come but in the league as well it's it's sort of been a mixed bag again they drew one each with with Burnley um probably didn't perform you know at their best on that occasion but kind of looked like they were going to get over the line conceded a late goal and, and dropped two points really which I think would have been a little bit frustrating but at the end of the day it's not going to change too much in terms of that league picture they probably would have still finished third as they're going to anyway so They've sort of had that result, but elsewhere they've beaten Wolves 4-1. They went to Leeds and won 6-1. Obviously, the 5-1 win over Leicester that I said before. 
Middlesbrough, who I think are fourth or fifth in the standings, they beat them 6-0 at home a couple of weeks back. So it's been a, a sort of impressive run, really, in terms of, of goal scoring. And that's a familiar theme, of course, all the way through this season. We've spoken about how they do tend to concede a few, but they tend to score quite a lot as well. And they do seem to have sort of tightened up at, at the back recently. And obviously, so I was just going to say, no, just in terms of how well it's going in the league and the FA Youth Cup, I suppose it sort of only serves to highlight the point that we, we sort of haven't mentioned that Kai Gordon, who arrived from Derby, has been doing really well in the league, isn't even available for the Youth Cup. Yeah, Kaid is uh, is um, cup tied for for that. He played actually for Derby in the round before that Liverpool entered the competition. So he played for Derby in a round that Liverpool didn't even need to play in. But he played in that before he signed for Liverpool. Therefore, is cup tied. But yeah, in the league, it's it's been a really good time for for him recently. Five goals in three matches that he's played this month. I think he missed another one of those with injury as well as being cup tied. So he's only featured in a sort of half of the games that he could have done since he signed for for Liverpool. Really, but. It's been a really good start. Whenever I've seen him, it's only been sort of two or three occasions that that I have seen him play. But he's been, you know, a key player and, and sort of settled into that front line. I know we spoke about it on the last show with Frauendorf, with Musjanovski, with him, Max Voltman. They're sort of meshing together quite nicely, I think, which is going to be interesting to sort of see what happens in terms of, of next season. How many of them step up to the 23s? Do they sort of keep that foursome together? Or do they move them about a little bit and, and chop and change? It'll be interesting to, to sort of see what happens. But uh, yeah, certainly it's been a, a good spell for him and a good spell for, for Liverpool under-18s generally. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, good to hear the progress there for the age groups, the 23s and the 18s. Let's now focus in, though, in on an individual talent. Liverpool, as we know, have a number of academy stars out on loan across the EFL. Think of the likes of Harvey Elliott, Harry Wilson and Sepp Vandenberg. But added to that number is Liam Miller, a full Canadian international, of course. And he's playing his football at Charlton Athletic in League One for the second half of this campaign. And Matt, you've caught up with Alan Smith, chief football writer at football.london to see how he's getting on. Alan, thanks for, for joining me. Hope you're well. I mean, Liam's been playing, obviously, on loan at Charlton for the second half of, of this season. Broadly speaking, to begin with, how do you think he's been getting on? Uh, I reckon it's been pretty up and down, much like uh, the entire club season. I mean, we're talking Tuesday morning. Um, Charlton have a game in hand against Lincoln tonight, but even them at two games to go, they're sort of reliant on winning both of those remaining games um, against, obviously, Lincoln and then Hull um, on Sunday. Hull, obviously, there may be kind of a suggestion that they might, they might be on the beach already, um, con considering their position in the table. But then, even then, they're still reliant on Portsmouth uh, dropping points. So I think uh, Liam Miller's season individually uh, mirrors a lot of the, the club's ultimate fortunes. Um, pretty difficult for Charlton uh they've got like he he's one of eight lone players that they've had this season and that's due to a number of reasons um obviously there was the salary cap proposal for league one and league two clubs at the beginning of the season which was since scrapped uh, the club's financial position at the time um sort of tied their hand a little bit so you saw this big influx of lone players and you saw players that were obviously Liam came from Liverpool um, Ian Matson came from Chelsea Matt Smith from Arsenal um, I think there was a there was a player from Manchester United at the beginning of the campaign as well um, so they, they were getting young players in from the big clubs but it sort of led to I guess a lack of cohesion 
um, in the team ultimately. Um, and then you had sort of a change of manager, obviously, Lee Bowyer leaving for Birmingham and Nigel Adkins coming in. Um, and I think from Liam's point of view, that was, you know, it was quite difficult to to make a, a consistent impact. Um, like there have been games where there were, there were flashes of, you know, the, there is a real talented player there. And the most notable one came came last month um, away to Plymouth. Charlton won 6-0. Um, he scored a goal. It was only his, his second since arriving. Um, and he also forced another, uh, he forced an own goal. And you kind of think, well, this guy, like, he looks, in that particular game, he looks like he's a level above sort of pretty much, not everyone in League One, but the majority of players in League One. And then the following, a few days later, they uh, Peterborough came to the Valley. Um, he started, and you kind of think, you know, there's, this is an opportunity for him to kick on and kind of put big back-to-back performances together. And it just didn't happen for him. Um, he saw a lot of a lot of the ball in that game. Produced... <laughs> Quite a few crosses, and I think one of the frustrations from a supporter's point of view, from from what I've heard, is that the the decision making and the um, the final ball have been a little bit questionable. Um, but even then, after that Peterborough game, um, when you know a lot of the fans online who obviously were streaming it um, through the through the club's channel were showing a bit of frustration at, at his performance, but Adkins came out afterwards and you know he, he was quite sensible in that he spoke about this is a young player who's on a steep learning curve, um, you know touched on you know the talent is quite obvious. It's just about getting the consistency and developing um, and learning about the what is the correct decision in in, in those moments. You mentioned there Nigel Adkins has obviously come in and they've changed manager, I think, about five or six weeks ago now. Has anything really changed in terms of Liam Mello's situation or has he just continued really with what he was doing under the previous manager? Um, I think in, in, in the the position, like if you're looking at it from a kind of a from a distance, it doesn't look like much has changed. But Adkins has stressed that it's important for him to be more involved in the in the final third. Um and you know people can read in between the lines and take what they want from that but it, it was more about i think those comments were more about him making more of a decisive impact where it, where it really matters um and again going back to sort of that uh peterborough game the end of the end of april he it seemed from watching that that a lot of the you know the, the vast majority of charlton's attacks came down that left side um and it was quite a deliberate thing to to try and get him on the ball as, as much as possible. But then Peterborough, by contrast, were, you know, made it made it, you know, a big effort to ensure that he was on his weaker foot um as much as possible as well. And I think that was quite a you know quite a, a clear sort of illustration of the of that development and learning curve that um that Adkins has spoken about. But in terms of the actual role, I don't think it's changed uh, massively. And even then he's been he's been sort of in and out. You know, there's been a couple of games where he started and done quite well, um, and then started the game, not done so well, and found himself on the bench again um, the following week and had to work his way back in. So I think, it, you know, in terms of the inconsistency, there's also been a thing of, you know, he's not been completing 90 minutes every every game. He'd obviously played for the Canadian national team before. He played three times for Liverpool in the EFL trophy in the first half of, of this season, where it's obviously a Liverpool youth team against a, a more senior team lower down the leagues. How has he sort of found stepping up to senior football on a regular basis? I know he's obviously been consistent or inconsistent, I should say. Has there been any sort of physical difficulties in terms of that? Uh, I don't necessarily think 
physical. Um, not to go back <laughs> repeating myself again, but I think it's very much it seems to be the the decision making um, rather than you know we hear a lot of stories about these you know about younger players going on loan, especially those who've sort of come from from big Premier League sides, and there's always a question mark about you know can they handle it up against physical defenses in League One or League Two, and I don't think that has that hasn't been uh, much of an issue to be honest. It's just about kind of you know, making those incremental tweaks to the final ball, etc. He's got three goals, five assists, I think, in 25 League One appearances this season. That is a lot of games in the space of, of four months. He's certainly had opportunities to get on the pitch. I mean, that's a hectic schedule. I suppose it, it must have been quite hard to, to sort of go into that as well in terms of his first regular sort of senior football. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's kind of a classic thing, like a wider point is that a lot of these players speak about um, the, not so, not so much the level, but the, how much it means, you know, the additional meaning to, to playing senior football compared to development football, where, you know, there is more, you know, the opportunity to sort of express express yourself and there's a bit more freedom development development football because really not many people are watching. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a challenge that every young player goes on on long phases, and he seems to have, you know, he seems to have dealt with with that okay. Um, I don't think it's been a a, that, a massive issue, um, to be honest. And, and like I said at the beginning, I think you know it's you can kind of draw two graphs in terms of how his you know this, his season since January has gone and Charlton's, and you know they mirror each other quite a bit. And I think. You know, you can because it's so easy to draw a correlation. You can make a you know a pretty strong argument that his his season you know is as a result of Charlton's wider wider campaign rather than you know saying you know taking taking them in isolation. I guess he signed a new contract at Liverpool just before he went out on loan. I think it's probably the case that that's probably just to preserve his value moving forward given you know his sort of age now he turns 22 later on this year there's a lot of players at Liverpool ahead of him I think in the pecking order but do you think Charlton would be interested in, in keeping him next season or, or might there be other clubs interested possibly on loan or, or maybe even a permanent deal yeah I reckon they would be interested in keeping him I don't think there's much potential for them to to actually sign him um, I'm sure you'd know better than me but like how much how much we'd like what would Liverpool consider an acceptable fee to sell to sell a player like that? I'm not massively sure. Um, I'm not sure myself, to be honest. It's a really, really difficult one. I think there's there's kind of a, there's a good group of players at the moment at Liverpool, but obviously all of them can't make it at first team level. And I think I think there's going to be one or two. Shea Ojo is is another one who's sort of 22, 23 now. You wonder could they could they get one or two million for him? I'm not sure they could. And obviously Liam has been playing. You know, a, a level below that League One rather than Championship, so it's it's a difficult one. I mean, I think you'd be struggling to to get up to to anything close to a million, to be honest. But yeah. it's it, it's one of those markets, isn't it? It's it's almost impossible to work out. Yeah, I think there is a feeling that you know Charlton because they have been sort of reliant on loans, um, even pre previous to this season. Um, Last season, I guess the standout one was um, they ended up with Conor Gallagher, the uh, Chelsea midfielder who was with them for the first half of the season in the Championship. He was really, really good. And then uh, various decisions were made behind the scenes out of Charlton's control. He went to Swansea for the second half of the campaign and their form really, really um, nosedived, I guess, in the second half of the of the season. Um, 
so you know as a club they are reliant to an extent on loan moves and I think if there was an opportunity to extend his loan and maybe one or two of the others in the squad this season as well um, they may avail of that but in terms of a, a permanent move that's not something I've heard any whisper um, about as yet anyway The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Alan Smith, chief football writer at Football.London there with Matt talking about Liam Miller and how he's getting on at Charlton Athletic. Be interesting to see what the future does hold for him as well as Matt, our one to watch who you've already teased us in with earlier on. Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, Jarrell Kwanzaa, who has captained the under-18s quite frequently this season, obviously lining up alongside Cometio for Friday night's game. And, and that's kind of what I'm basing this on, to be honest. I thought Cometio was impressive for the reasons that I suggested earlier on in terms of you know his leadership. But I think Jarrell was, was just as important. I mean, in terms of, of holding that defensive line, keeping Arsenal at bay, as I said before, I mean, Arsenal had the majority of possession, but he was able to to get the rest of his teammates into effective positions. They defended really well as a unit. And I think it's it's easy to forget. And, and Mark Bridge-Wilkinson said this himself on, on Friday night when we spoke to him. He, he sort of said, you know, it's, it's easy to forget that Liverpool have a lot of good central defenders in most matches. They're not having to, to defend a lot. You know, you, you sort of see that the results there, they're, they're sort of winning by five and, and six on a few different occasions this month. The other players, the more attacking players, have, have tended to take the limelight. Musilovsky being the obvious one, but others as well. And I think it, it is easy to, to forget sometimes just how good these players are at, at what they do. I think the Arsenal game in particular basically gave an opportunity for, for Liverpool's defence and, and the goalkeeper Harvey Davis to, to really step up and, and show that they can do their jobs just as effectively as those at the other end. So... It was a, an impressive performance for him. It's not the first time I've been impressed with him, to be honest. He's very good on the ball. He's good at organising, clearly a very good leader. And I think we've seen, you know, this season with Reese Williams in particular at first team level, that it does take a little bit of extra time for, for centre-backs, particularly central defenders, um, to, to sort of settle into to first team football. So it's still one that you'd probably look at him in, in four or five years' time as a, a possible option for, for Liverpool or, or wherever he might be at, at that moment in time. I think it's it's still a long way down the line that he is one to watch out for. But certainly, I think moving into to next season, we'll probably see him at under-23 level, probably a little bit more frequently. You'd imagine someone like Seth Vandenberg will go back out on loan again. That will sort of offer more opportunities at, at that level. So, yeah, certainly one to watch out for in that regard, no doubt. Yeah, we've seen, as you said, about taking time. We've seen with Sepp Vandenberg now coming to the end of his, his second season. He's yet to sort of feature in a first-team game other than sort of cup outings here and there. He's been at Preston North End and he, again this week, has sort of spoken about his desire to maybe go back to, to Preston in the Championship and play a full season there. And he's been mainly playing at right-back for them. So it'll be interesting to sort of see what happens for his development away from Anfield and hopefully coming back to then be part of Jurgen Klopp's first team. Well, that's just about it for us for this edition of the Academy Show. But Matt, I know we've got a bonus offering that's coming up that you want to talk about as well. Yeah, we have hopefully coming out next weekend. I've spoken to, to Liverpool or former Liverpool goalkeeper Dan Atherton for a podcast. He's absolutely brilliant. Do watch out for, for that one. Uh, that'll be across our, our podcast and, and YouTube channel. And he is one that has sort of trained with the first team. He's been with Jurgen Klopp, with Alisson, with John Akterberg. He was able to give us the inside info on, on all of those, what it's like to, to take part in training sessions. And he was actually a couple of years ago, one of those to, to go on the US tour. So he played 
against Bruno Fernandez's Sporting Lisbon in, I think, Boston. That one, there was games in, in New York as well against Manchester City, I think, that he was involved in. Came on up front, actually, for when Paul Glatzel got injured. He came on against Tranmere in, in that match. So, yeah, plenty of, of tales to, to tell from him. He's over in the US at the moment trying to find a, a new club. He sort of spoke about that and, and the difficulties of that having left Liverpool last summer. But yeah, a really fascinating listen and, and hopefully one that, that should come out later this week, possibly at the weekend. Yeah, look forward to listening to that then. Well, thanks for joining Matt and myself here on the latest edition of the Academy Show. Remember to keep across the Liverpool Echo for all the latest Academy news and check out the Blood Red newsletter as well. The link for signing up to that is in the description of the video and the podcast. But from myself, Guy Clark and Matt Addison, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.